Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Fusion Fantasy Football. I'm your host, Joshua. As always, you can find us on Twitter at FusionFFB. I say us. It's really just me, Josh. I would love for it to be us. Um, I need, I'm going to call you guys, I think, informants. I need informants. And maybe I can build a platform down the line to kind of uh, make this easier for you guys to do. But I would really enjoy uh, having some people to work with. I'm lonely, you know. No, don't cry for me. So, no, it's simple. You guys, if you have time to listen to this podcast or any other podcast, then you have time to take five minutes and jot down a couple thoughts, summary of a couple of the major thoughts and takeaways from that podcast. That's all it takes. You take one, two minutes, write a paragraph, and ship it off to me. And if I get that enough from enough people, then I can really do what I want to do, especially when we get into the season. It's going to be a lot harder. There's going to be a lot more content out there during the season. And what I want to be able to do is give you just these daily quick briefings where I say, hey, this is what's going on. This is what is being said about this player in this situation. This is what's being said. This is what's being said about this team's matchup against that team and so on. I want you to start your day with me, and then from there, you can decide where you want to go. You can say, you know what, he brought up an argument that was made by uh, Clock Dodgers that I thought was really interesting. I'm going to go check that out today. And so that kind of sets up your day, your podcast day. I don't want these to be very long. They're probably going to be a little dry, but they're going to be short. So they're going to be just quick hitting. That's what I want to do when it comes to the season, okay? So if you want to be involved with that, if you already do stuff, that's what I mean when I say if you want to be involved. I don't, I don't mean anything hard. I mean literally taking two minutes to write something down and send it to me. Hopefully I can eventually build a platform that will let you easily, anyone just create an account, an official like informant account, Fusion FFB informant. How's that sound? All right. Okay, so that's what would normally happen. This is the off season. So we try to have some fun and talk about things just to get us in the right uh, state of mind about players and places. So when the season comes or our drafts first, we'll be ready. So I have a little something special for you guys today. I'm going to be joined by my friend Josh C., who I have lots of good chats with. So that's what I'm going to go into right now. Hope you guys enjoy. We are introducing a new segment today, something I've wanted to do for a while, and it's an open challenge to anyone out there who wants to come on. It is my fake football fight, where we argue about something that really doesn't matter, uh, be it two players in fantasy football or even an idea or a topic or hey, if you want to argue one kind of scoring system or format or whatever, I don't care. If you ever see me say something and you disagree and you want to fight about it, you let me know. As always, fusionffb at gmail.com. Same thing for Twitter, so on. You know where you've heard me say it before. So the idea about this is it's you've heard maybe these debates before and it's nice and polite and there's 
timers involved and uh everyone gets their turn and uh everyone at the end walks away being like what you know you made some good points and i will just have to disagree you know you say that no i don't like that no we're not doing that (laughs) you have a stand you take it and you stick to it and the other person's wrong and you're right and we're gonna argue about it with passion and there's no rules uh the only rule is that we don't talk over each other you can try and butt in but if they don't let you don't you know just wait for another opening and try again later but other than that no holds bar just going at it okay hey so our argument today is on one side i have jarek mckinnon and josh on your side you have duke johnson the man duke johnson the man duke johnson now this came out of a discussion mostly about last year i believe and duke johnson is that correct yeah Okay. Yeah, and his and his what RB one PPR season. RB was that like just right on the tail end, number twelve? Did he just? I, slip I believe in, he or? was right there yeah. on the tail end. But RB one is RB one. It's RB one. Well, what if you're in a ten team? That's only then then it doesn't count, right? <laughs> All right, and I had McKinnon because I said, well, what he accomplished in twelve games was you know better than Duke Johnson. And when you, you know, put it in that context and now he's in San Francisco and they didn't draft anyone. They just have a bunch of uh, old running backs that were either cut by other teams or were drafted by them and subsequently like pushed to the side. Clearly, they don't like any of them good enough that they thought they could be it because they went out and paid money to Jarek McKinnon. So... Our argument is not so much over uh, who was better last year. We're going to use that information, I'm sure, each of us. But our argument is more about future dynasty value, I think. Yeah. Okay. Right. Because even you've got to concede that Duke Johnson next year, there's no way he's he's going to have as good an opportunity as Jarek McKinnon. No, no, that that's right. I mean, that's that's an argument you can't really make. He's... Duke Johnson is competing for touches with Carlos Hyde, the rookie Nick Chubb, and Jarek McKinnon has is the clear number one. Although there are some other bodies there, Joe Williams, Jeremy McNichols, Matt Breida to some extent, that that I would say are are not irrelevant. No, absolutely not. However, only Jarek McKinnon in that group is relevant in the same way that even Duke Johnson is relevant on his own team. He's the pass catcher, and Jarek McKinnon's the only one who can do that. Matt Breida is statistically one of the worst pass catchers in the league last year. He was the, literally the worst uh, completion percentage among you know a certain threshold of attempts. And he got a lot of attempts because Bedard was just like dumping off the ball like crazy. Um, So he got a lot of tries and was still terrible. So you know that that they're going to throw the ball. This is 
Shanahan. This is Jimmy G, who we know what he's used to with the Patriots and how they use their backs. They throw to their backs. He's going to get the points from the, the passing game more so than I don't see how Duke Johnson has anywhere near that amount of opportunity on the rounds. Well, Jarek McKinnon does have the passing game, but even last year in Minnesota, he had that. And his problem was not competition from other pass catchers. His problem was that he very quickly lost the carries to Latavius Murray. Oh, this argument. Okay, I see. Yes, this argument. Latavius, suboptimal Murray. Okay. Chased Jarek McKinnon off of the field and everything except for passing downs. Right, right. Because heaven forbid coaches actually use their players efficiently. Well, is it? Shouldn't they were not afraid to put Dalvin Cook on the field for sixty percent at least sixty percent of their plays? He was not sharing significant work with anybody, and he's also not any bigger than Jarek McKinnon. So I. I think that it must have been that Latavius Murray was bringing something to the table that Duke Johnson, not Duke Johnson, Jarek McKinnon didn't have. And he still doesn't have it. Still doesn't have it. Okay. Well, we pulled up the, some of the numbers, and I can, I'll, uh, I'll probably post both of these splits on my Twitter at FusionFFB. And I'll admit, there pretty much exactly the same what i did was i took the uh 12 games from week 5 to 17 and i used rotoviz split app you should check that out it's a pretty cool thing you can set lots of different parameters and what i did was i set those parameters on those weeks for Jarek mckinnon and for duke johnson and it gives you it spits out both what their actual uh numbers were per game and then what that would have been on a full season pace and uh do you do you still have those around you're still looking at them but they are well i remember exactly they the same. were very very close <laughs> yes so for ppr in the split which is the the 12 games for mckinnon it's 221 again this is the full season pace 221 points for duke johnson it's 216 <laughs> they differ that Johnson gets more in the passing game, but Jarek McKinnon had in the even in the in the rushing game 725 at the pace he was using last year, uh, four touchdowns, 188 attempts, but he's still up there over 500 yards receiving and so on. Uh, that purse that that pace lines up a lot with what I saw. Uh, J.J. Zacharyson's projection was for McKinnon. It's actually maybe a little bit better. Uh, so it seems to line up that you could expect those kind of numbers for him with a full season. Plus, who knows how much that offense as a whole is just going to be better next year. A full season with Jimmy Graham and Shanahan. The The thing I would say here is that even though their production may have been very, very similar last year. The The situation was not because Jarek McKinnon was playing in the, the Minnesota offense, which had the number two run volume, if I'm not mistaken. They they run the ball a lot. Okay. And, oh, and we're comparing and so they, that. But they used two backs. 
I thought. I thought that was they a bad did. thing. So there was a oh, a so huge maybe it made sense the for them to split it up since there was so no, much of it. If if McKinnon would have been the the best back there, as Dalvin Cook was, I think they would have been willing to give him the work. I don't think that he the, would have been destroyed and tore his ACL like Dalvin Cook did when they tried to give him him a hundred percent of the load. Well, that that may be that may be that it's just not not good to give anybody all of those touches on a team that's going to run the ball that much. But the point I was trying to make was that Duke Johnson is not on an offense like the Vikings. He is playing for the Browns. And and in that less favorable context, he was able to put up production equal to that of a player in a much better situation. In a much better situation, but with... Uh, a much more limited role because there were so many other viable targets and weapons in that offense, as you admit. Whereas, what did he have in Cleveland last year? Well, it Nothing. was Isaiah Crowell. Yeah, so he had I, I, at least a, a chance at half of that workload. So that helped him out. Now he's got Chubb and Hyde. I just don't see... I don't see how... If he he would have to just leave the Browns entirely, you have to be betting on him because again we're talking dynasty value. Even if we're disagreeing on their production next year, you've got to say even dynasty value. There's no way one to one. I guess that's the question. One to one. I'm offering you Jarek McKinnon, Duke Johnson, dynasty. Who are you taking? Well, are we factoring in price? Because there is a big difference in the price right now. No, I'm just, this is the offer. You have you have someone you're trading, and they offered back, okay, I'm, I'm willing to trade you Duke Johnson or Jarek McKinnon. Which one do you want? And you're not thinking yeah. about resale value or anything like that, because I, I get what you're going with with that. But Yeah, yeah you, you, you need to take the production now. Okay. So even you. Oh, come on. Listen, I am not expecting much of anything from Duke Johnson this year, 2018. But he he is a good back that you can go out and get. And next year, I think that that situation in Cleveland, even if he stays there and they sign him, I don't think that they will continue to have three guys on that roster. And if it is Nick Chubb and Duke Johnson, I think he will be able to produce the same that he was able to produce last year. Because the passing game, I don't see Nick Nick Chubb being super involved. And so if he goes elsewhere, I think he has a higher ceiling than Jarek McKinnon because I think he can handle work more than he can. McKinnon can. So your argument has to include the value aspect, is what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. And no, because that makes McKinnon sense. McKinnon right now is like, what, 105? 106? It's gone up crazy. He's being taken in the third round if not sooner, in mocks right now. I mean, and, and, yeah, he has to be an RB12 or better to return on that investment at, at where he's going now. And when I was saying that, you know, two months ago, when I was getting him in the 11th round of startup, I was saying that, and people were laughing at me. I was saying, yeah, I have four top 12 running backs because I had McKinnon, right? And guys, people were like, oh, yeah, yeah, right. And now that's where he's going. Yeah, and that was obviously good value in the ninth round. But I, I would say that I'm not 
I, I think Jarek McKinnon's best part of the season will be the first half because I think in the second half of the season, one of these other bodies they have, whether it's Joe Williams, Jeremy McNichols, somebody's going to emerge and start taking carries from him the same way Latavius Murray did. And and but, I can't disagree with that, and it would even be a positive thing for his, his long-term production and health. I mean, we've seen that with uh, McCaffrey, where if he was used both as much as he's used in the passing game, plus Stewart's workload, I, the guy would die. I'm, I mean, so there's got to be someone there taking on some of those. And I'm fine with that because what I what I call those, and I've, I've heard other people refer to them, those that's the low efficiency work that I don't want him him getting beat up on. I want him getting the fancy points on the big plays, on the passing game. And Duke Johnson has been involved in that, and that's how he has been able to get so many points with what we would usually call not um, not RB1, like on his team RB1 usage. Like he wasn't the number one back, supposedly, on the Browns, right? But right. he was putting up the better numbers. And so yeah, that's what you want. So we can – oh, no, we're agreeing. <laughs> we both agree yeah, that that you know, that's the I, role that is the best fantasy producer. We don't want the thumper unless he's getting like tons of touchdowns or something. Unless he's Leonard Fournette playing yeah. for a team like the Jaguars that are just going to continually f- feed him. Yeah. You know, who when you take them out and stick TJ Yeldon in, the numbers look the same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, one other thing I have to say here is that I think Jarek McKinnon last year was really just a cog in the Minnesota machine. Uh, You know, you can look at production premium, net expected points, whatever you want to look at. He he was about like everybody else. Dalvin was a little better than Jarek, than Latavius, but there's not a wild amount of variance between the three. And when you look at the people... In that Cleveland offense, Duke stands out. He was by far the most efficient, you know, the the most bang for your buck. And so he he is ab- above, head and shoulders above what everybody else was in his offense. Was. Well, I think, yes, was. was. Things have changed a bit. Head, and they it's have not also for McKinnon. To be head and shoulders against the people uh, who were on that <laughs> team. He may have been the tallest leprechaun, but he was still the tallest. <laughs> so what does that say about maybe Dalvin Cook this year? When you're saying I, that system and that he was a cog, are you saying that are are we maybe overrating what Dalvin Cook can do there with now I, a new offensive coordinator, new quarterback, and maybe won't be the same efficiency or I would. I think I would expect good things from Dalvin Cook. I would expect him to step right in to the same sort of role that he had. Uh, you know, Latavius Murray may get some of that low efficiency work like we were talking about. But until I see it, I'm not going to expect change that I would, you know, put into a player's value. I would look for Dalvin Cook to pick up where he left off. Okay. So why can't Jarek McKinnon? 
Well, because he's not in the same offense. No, he's he's going to a better one. No, I agree. is it That's really a, a better offense? It could be. It could be. <laughs> I I know. I was pushing it there. Yeah, it could be. Um, a very good offense. We we just haven't seen enough. We know what Shanahan's offenses have done. What he's done with those running backs, and it's to me. I don't care who you are. You I've heard people argue against McKinnon, uh, McKinnon's talent. Uh, they go back a couple years saying when he got a chance when Adrian Peterson got injured, he didn't show us anything then. To which I say, well, Adrian Peterson was terrible behind that line too, so I don't expect how that's a fair judge of what he was capable of. And I think that as long as you stick someone in there with just a baseline of ability with Shanahan, he's going to use them, if they can, especially if they can catch the ball. And I do not see how Duke Johnson, even if he is getting the high-efficiency work in a split backfield, can equal just both the efficiency and the volume that McKinnon's due to get next year. As far as the value... I don't think that McKinnon is going to just be one and done either. I mean, there is they have that out built into the contract. I don't blame them. But people bring that up as, well, if he's not good, they'll just get rid of him. And I don't think they'll get rid of him. I think they'll bring in a very one-dimensional thumper that will reduce his role to, you know, Chris Thompson. To Duke Johnson? No, Derek McKinnon. I think <laughs> No, it'll reduce his role to Duke Johnson. Twenty eighteen, I think you would have to be a fool to put Duke over Jarek McKinnon because of just volume. Right. I, I don't know where Duke's gonna get any volume. Right. It it may be nothing, which will just make him cheaper. And I but I will say for Jarek, I think that, that he will start like Ty Montgomery did with that huge opportunity share. And it will slowly de- decrease. You know, Ty Montgomery got hurt, and and that's not fair to project that for anybody. But I think 2018 is going to be the big year for Jarek. And after that, it's the Duke show. It's after the Duke show. Well, so what do you think Duke's upside is if he goes to another team? If he doesn't sign that extension, which as much as they keep saying they're optimistic and they're talking. Still hasn't happened. Uh, why can't he be a Dalvin Cook? Why can't he go do that? I, I think he's my he's the Miami Hurricanes' all-time leading rusher. He has had a workload in college, and he held up to it. You know, Jarek McKinnon has never had that, and we don't have the college stats because he played quarterback at Georgia Southern. So we, we can't say that he can't do it, but... He's never been put in that situation to show us that he can. So I'm looking at I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some uh, I'm gonna try and get a better gauge of how you really feel about this because because as a wise man said you you believe what you do and so that's that's how we know when we actually go into the drafts and you thought you had this one guy uh, ranked above another one and when it's your pick and you're on the clock that's when you actually say mm-hmm. mm, you know. You know, I'm just going to go with this other guy instead. That's what you actually believe. You actually believe the other player was better, even if you had to rank lower. So I'm on Fantasy Football Calculator, and I'm looking at their ADP. This is crazy. Uh, we, we're talking about Jarek McKinnon. 
He's actually 209 right now. Um, ahead of, in PPR, ahead of even Gronk and Jordan Howard and Mixon. He's he's past Mixon now. I'm not even sure I can go that far. Um, yeah, passing. Wow. And I'm looking for Duke is what I wanted to do. He's all the way down right now on this ADP at the 804. So who would you rather have? Because, look, we're telling people about this. So obviously, you're making a great argument. His ADP is going to shoot up after this. So you're not going to get him in that eighth round anymore. <laughs> no, obviously. Uh, yeah, obviously. Thing, they're, already they're gonna, where I can. Yeah, they're going to be listening to this. You're not getting him there anymore. You shouldn't have said anything. So <laughs> let's say let's say your argument worked. So here here's McKinnon and the third at the 307. Would you rather have him there or wait and get Duke in, let's say, the 507 or the 66? I, I probably who are the other running backs that are going right around that 307 mark? Um, McCoy is ahead of him. Freeman, McCaffrey, McCoy, or a six, uh, seven. McCaffrey over McKinnon for sure. Yeah, I mean that would be hard to argue. Jordan Howard is after McK- Mixon is within four picks after, and there's a lot of uh, tight ends and wide receivers that start going off after that. I, I'm probably going to go McCaffrey and wait and see if I can get Duke a lot later. And, and you know, you're going to have to fill the, in that RB hole with something. You, because... Hold on. No, I'm, you're, you're not getting McCaffrey in the third. I'm saying if he falls and he's there in the third and you know you can reach for Duke, Duke in the fifth because he's going in the sixth now since we had this chat. <laughs> so you're reaching for him in the fifth. Who are you taking? Do you want McKinnon in the third or Duke in the fifth? Who's the better value? Because you're you're making a value-based argument. In the third, you uh, can get 307. You can get maybe Thielen will fall to you. You got maybe Kelsey. More likely, you've got Fitzgerald, Henry. That's when quarterbacks start to go. Hilton, Ertz, Diggs, Kenyon Drake, Alex Collins. Now we're pushing into the fourth. Give me Thielen. Give me Thielen, and I think Alex Collins is going to outscore McKinnon this year. So you'd, but you'd rather have the best wide receiver that falls to there and take Duke later than you'd rather have McKinnon. Yeah, yeah. I, if I'm going to, like I said, I think McKinnon's going to give you one year of good production, and and then it's going to be something less than. And so Thielen's going to probably have more stable value. Even Alex Collins... I think you're taking a pretty similar risk about whether or not he has any value next year. And I think the payoff this year will be greater. Yeah. I have serious concerns about Collins as well, but all right. Well, I mean, you made a pretty good case. Um, you're still wrong, but I would definitely take <laughs> McKinnon if he fell in the third, cause you're looking at, you're looking at top 10 potential there. I don't, I don't see how uh, he, he can equal McCaffrey. And his minimum, his floor is going to be down there with the Collins and the Drake. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't see it. Duke, Duke to me has way more variation. He could. There's no way you can. I can count on him having anything close to what he had last season, because that offense. He's not, you know, the tallest leprechaun anymore, like you said. 
So Duke or Tevin Coleman? Duke or Tevin Coleman? Well, it depends on where I'm getting them. Just one-to-one, especially of Dynasty, Tevin Coleman. I have more faith that he will uh, get a better landing spot and get more interest from as a free agent next year than Duke. I'm just, let's go with the assumption that Duke doesn't sign, like we said. So you've got Duke and Tevin next year in the offseason as free agent running backs looking for number one positions. Who do you think gets the best I want one? Duke. Really? Uh, I I have heard more hype around Tevin Coleman, and mm-hmm. I, I understand why. You know, he plays for the Falcons instead of the Browns, and he has had some some flashes, so it's understandable. But I think that Duke is the more complete player. And and also, Tevin Coleman was drafted to to be, I think, more relevant than what he is. I don't think that when they made that pick, they foresaw Devonta Freeman backup. They didn't foresee him falling in the shower is, is, is what they didn't foresee. <laughs> well, the, <laughs> the ducks, you got to have the ducks, man. I busted my ass at the pool so bad the other day. I was so embarrassed and all I could do was just lay there. <laughs> I just, I, I just like got my leg out from under me, laid down for a second. The lifeguard was like 15 year old lifeguard is staring at me to see if I'm going to get up. It, it was awful. I played I, ultimate I back- frisbee on Thursday night. And, uh, yeah, my legs, I was, I was watching my son the next night and, uh, he wanted to keep getting stuff from downstairs and whatever. I was like, you just go get it. I'm not going up and down the stairs. Again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I run some. And so like on long run day, that's, that's pretty much me is I come back home. I'm worthless. So I'm going to be on the couch, whatever you want, go ahead and do it. Well, hopefully, uh, McKinnon can have better endurance than we do uh because i think he's going to need it with all the the volumes he's going to get and uh yeah i'll take him in the third over over duke in the fifth especially dynasty if he builds on that even if you don't like him you can sell him for a, a ransom king's ransom all right he, he is the bird in the hand and duke is the bird in the bush yeah yeah and that i mean that's not a debate right now obviously the adp shows it so that's not really part of our debate but yeah, I, I still don't think he's going to be um, – that's a really hopeful perspective, thinking that you're going to rely on him. I would rather have at the at least RB2 in McKinnon than uh, than Duke, who I think could – if he doesn't have a great year, could fall way, way lower than that. So that, that would be my fear as far as the range of his outcome. I think McKinnon's is much, much higher. His floor is much higher even going forward in the future years. Yeah, it's it's Duke is could very very easily have a horrible year, but I'm I'm really not counting on anything from him in 2018. Okay. I'm I'm hoping that he goes elsewhere where he can be either the number 1 or or just a very significant contributor. All right. Well, you can keep Duke and I'll win all my leagues with McKinnon. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy weeks one through four. One through four. Oh, that's the it. Well, I'll sell them to you after that when you've decided that you're wrong. And he's gonna Not me. I, I know there's people <laughs> in the league though. I can tell you who to sell him to. I, oh, they've already come. They've already it. come knocking. They thought it was crazy when I was asking for the the 105 in the rookie that's draft. What he goes for though, I think that's the. But price. I was asking for it way back, and now they're almost like, oh, that sounds pretty good. But nope, too late. Too late. 
All right, Josh, I, I really appreciate you uh, making the time coming out and hanging out with me. And we'll have to do this again. Hopefully we can find some other uh, players that we disagree on that we can uh, that we can disagree on more <laughs> that aren't so clear. I'm sure we'll have plenty of options. Was there any other uh, thing you had or something you wanted to to plug or anything? No, man, I appreciate you having me on. I've had a good time. Any anytime, we'll 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 find something else to beef about. I'm sure. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. I mean, it's crazy. Marlon Max is in the seventh. Beginning of the seventh. I've heard. I've heard. You know, every take from like Marlon Mack is just going to run away with that offense to it's going to be a 30 30 30 thing and nobody comes out of it so i don't, I don't know marlon max seems like a value but well, i just don't buy is... the wilkins thing no i, no. I don't I, understand i well, i don't either I, I haven't even heard a podcast where they were pumping him up i think mike clay had him pretty high in his rankings before the draft that was the only okay. one i saw and then when he went to the colts he like locked onto him as his guy, you know, so he could have that claim if it hit and no one's going to remember if it doesn't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's a zero risk scenario. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I hate to think that about guys, but I mean, it happens, but he's going way, way too soon. In these uh, I wouldn't, drives. I don't know what I would spend on him, but it would be insignificant, like a fourth, third, you know, late third. Yeah. And I'm not a big college football guy. I don't know. Do you, do you watch a lot of college football? Or... No, no. Okay. I just look at the number, the stats from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Player, player profiler. I use that yeah. to look at their dominator. I mean, he was a SEC guy, right? I, I don't even know where, but I know I don't I've heard talk about people saying it was just that SEC or big con- maybe it was another big conference bias, and that's the only reason. I mean, well, that makes sense. His, yeah, his he's just a plotter. I watched even because when it came out, I was like, all right. I watched some YouTube and I was like, hey, all right, he's he's a running back. I, I don't see. He went to Mississippi. It was Mississippi. He's he's unathletic. Yeah, and he wasn't a college producer. What well, yeah, I, I mean, I don't get it at all. I I so when it comes to the Colts, I think. I think Matt can take the the low efficiency and and be a capable pass catcher at the same time. We saw what Bradshaw did a number of years ago. I see mm-hmm. that's how I see Marlon Mack. Um, I actually I need to pull that up. I'm, I'd be curious to see how he compares on a player profiler with Bradshaw. But um, I still that's not to say I don't like Himes, uh, Hines, uh, Naheem Hines, because. He's more of a weapon that can be used in all kinds of different ways, uh, like a Kamara or Cohen or even Duke Johnson. So I still think he could have value even if Mac, you know, quote unquote, wins the job. Um, I just don't see I don't see Wilkins doing anything other than coming in sometimes when they need one yard. So I I guess then we're saying 50 50. Which which isn't bad if Andrew Luck's running that offense, that's you want well, 50, half of 50 that. Fifty fifty of what? Because I I could see them having the Hines out, uh, Naheem Hines out there at the same time. Oh really? 
Well, I, mean, I, I was just thinking the rush game, but I, I don't see Naheem Hines at 198 pounds getting a lot of carries. He, he I remember looking at this up before, and uh, his sophomore, I don't know if it was a sophomore or junior year, but two years ago, he was primarily being used just as that receiving back. But then yeah. this past year, I don't know, because of injuries or what else, he was used as between the tackles, and he was, I mean, a 1,000 yards. He was successful. So sometimes you get those compact guys who are capable at running between the tackles. It's really, that's where you start getting to really high variance, and it's like you're really rolling the dice. I mean, that's when you you either get Danny Woodhead or you get Donald Pumphrey. You know, it's like, which one is it going to be? It's really hard to bet that someone's going to become Danny Woodhead because Danny Woodhead was such just a a one-of-a-kind. It's hard to bet on that happening again. But we've seen similar type players be successful, Sproles, and so on. So um, He may just be a guy that you let let blow up. You let him him have a successful year, and you kind of buy on the way up. Marlon Mack is a little bit taller. Same weight as Mob Bradshaw, and more explosive. Not quite as agile. Actually, we don't know. I don't have an agility score for him at all, so I don't. Even He's know. not a small guy, so I, I don't 11, think there's two thirteen. Yeah, that's... Bradshaw was five nine. He he. He was a workhorse in college, so I don't get the people saying he can't. He's not a workhorse back. I'm like, what do you mean? He was in college, just like you were saying about Duke. Yeah. So. We'll see. That that'll be interesting. There's value there for sure. Mm-hmm. Somewhere. Unless Andrew Luck doesn't play again, then it's going to be. I don't think it matters. I mean, the overall yeah. volume. Yeah, you want a running back in a successful offense, but. I don't think uh, – I think you need you need a running back even on a bad team. I mean, we saw Carlos Hyde have a pretty good year. Yeah, that's true. That, that would be another interesting thing to look at because sometimes winning doesn't matter. Right. Kenyon Drake last Especially year. if you can catch the passes. Yes. Yeah. And Marlon Mack, 75th percentile college target share. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's going to want somebody to dump it off too. But it's hard to buy it right now. Buy him right now. The guys that have Marlon Mack, I think you're going to be paying too much. I offered T.Y. Hilton for Marlon Mack, and I introduced it as Marlon Mack plus something. I left it vague, mm-hmm. and I said, "Should I, you know, should I keep talking?" And he came back at me with, you know, oh, well, I would need a running back back. And I'm like, I don't have any running backs. That's why I'm trying to trade for him. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you know, I would have thought even months ago people would have jumped at that, but I'm not so well, sure Well, it, it seemed so sure to me that they were going to take Rashad Penny or somebody like that. Really, you know, I, I would have bet anything that they would draft a guy besides Naheem Hines. Right, his stock has gone up after the draft, and since they didn't take any big name. I bought super high on Tariq Cohen, like, all my money 
in some leagues last year and kind of was regretting it. But I'm really happy I did this year. But do you still have a lot of that? Um, I still have him, him at least in the one league. I tried selling him. When I was trying to sell him in this one league during the rookie draft to move up, uh, people thought I was crazy. Well, that whole league just seemed to think my values on players were crazy. And uh, now with the news that's coming out, I don't think they're going to think I'm crazy anymore. Uh, did you see I, that? Did you see what the coaches were saying? No. Somebody asked Nagy about, about if, if Howard could be the um, lead back or would be the bell cow. I think they use the term bell cow. And he basically said something along the lines of, it's a little more specific than that in how, how we use them. Basically, kind of vaguely saying, no, they're all going to have the rules. He's not going to be the guy. And to me, that just points to Cohen getting involved more. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the way he was not used last year was pretty irrational. So, Well, there was a lot in you... going into that. It happened along around the same time that Trubisky started starting games. And they started to get on the same page. Cohen had some good games at the end of the season then. So, and who knows? John Fox was the yeah. coach. I mean, it's completely a blank slate there to me. Well, I'd, I'd be happy to hold on to whatever Cohen shares I, I had from last year. I think they're on the way up. You're smarter than me. Sounds fine. I told Neil, I was like, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm doing it. Um, let's go. I, that's how everybody starts, right? Like, Right. I hear these other Nobody's podcasters. a parent until they're a parent. It's kind of one of those things. So. You don't have two heads or anything, so this, this video thing worked out okay. Eventually, I was like, well, I've got a face for a radio and a voice for tv so <laughs> i'll just i'll just do podcasting i guess perfect perfect <laughs> well well